For many years, Samantha Demers worked at the seat of power with the government of Canada. She's had her finger on the public pulse as an events coordinator, security and promotions officer, among other very cool positions. <laughs> Today, she's a Sherpa for those who have trouble getting out of their own way, a host on Twitter spaces. Demers isn't a stranger to things she writes about. She creates a safe space for other creators who are afraid to start, whose limiting beliefs are holding them back, and who are afraid to open themselves publicly to share what they know and that others might need to hear. Thank you for being here, Samantha. Thank you so much, Debbie. I'm, I'm so excited to be here. Your time with the government of Canada does fascinate me <laughs> because you did work at the seat of power. And my first job out of high school was with the federal government in the tax department. So, <laughs> so there are times I miss it. How about you? Are there times you miss it? Yeah, you know, Debbie, I worked for the House of Commons. And so I was right there and I could just, with my pass, just walk right up, walk in the front doors. Like I didn't have to wait in line. Sometimes I would bring my kids to see the buildings and they would have to go through security and I would just stroll over and wait for my little toddlers to go through and check them for things. But it was, it was an amazing experience. Every time I would stroll up and look up at the Peace Tower and just walk in and, and walk in the hallways and be like, oh, I'm here. Like <laughs> there's, there was some imposter syndrome at the beginning, but even over time, even though it wasn't really imposter syndrome, it was always fascinating and, and gave me a lot of pride just knowing that I, I walk in these hallways and I support the people that work here. And also that it's not a huge institution. And so over time, if you, most people that go to the House of Commons and work there stay for a long time because it's a great employer. And then, you know, you move around different departments and you get your connections and networks. So you always bump into people everywhere. So it's, it's a really great place to work. So take us back to where you started this journey of creation. Yeah, so I, I got my dream job at the House of Commons as an event coordinator, and I, I did it for 18 months. And I got burnt out at the end and, and I really loved the job and it was my dream. But at the, the time of the burnout, I realized it wasn't my dream anymore. My dream had kind of expanded it. And maybe it's because I reached my dream and, and I loved my work, but I realized what would it be like to do something different? What would it be like to, to not be stuck in Ottawa where I could never move because the House of Commons isn't going anywhere. I, I can't just move to Florida or, or the Caribbean or whatever. So I started to reevaluate my life and, one thing that really helped me at that point was thinking about what would I tell my kids if they came to me, if, if my daughters grew up, had a great job and a great pension, but wanted something more. And they said, mom, I have this job. And if I quit, I, you know, I don't know what I'll do, but I, I really want to try something else. And I would tell them to quit their job and do something fun, but I didn't want to give myself that permission. And so that's kind of where my journey started. And I did that big leap. And then I stopped. I didn't do the online creation that I thought I would do. I, I had half written blog posts. I had ideas for books. I had outlines. I had podcast ideas and I would dabble in stuff, but not really do anything. And at the same time, I was building my marketing skills and copywriting skills. I, I do online marketing with my husband. So that was keeping me busy, but I wasn't sharing the things that I love about, about psychology or, or personalities or how to be your best self. And I was afraid. I thought like, who am I to talk about this? I don't have a degree. I'm, I'm not a psychologist, but I, I'm fascinated by these ideas and how they've affected my life and how I've improved. So finally, with the pandemic 
uh, and being stuck at home. We moved to a new city, so I'm, I wasn't seeing any friends because of the pandemic, but also because of being in a new city. I decided around January that it was time to, to do something. Like if I'm still sitting around not publishing anything, I'm never going to get around to it. So I started following some writers on Medium thinking, well, maybe I could write articles or something. And I noticed they were all on Twitter. And so I, I have an old Twitter account. So I went over and I thought, I guess this is where writers hang out. So then I, I just started staying on Twitter a bit more. I came across something where they talked about Ship 30 for 30, which is a, an online challenge, mostly on Twitter, where you write 30 essays for 30 days to get over your imposter syndrome, to push through your fears, just put something out there. And so I did that challenge in March. It was really hard, but I did it. And I actually put ideas out and I actually had people that, commented saying, wow, I really like this, or this is, this is really great. Thanks for sharing these ideas. And that is sort of what got me going and getting over my imposter syndrome. And that was just in March of 2021. So it's, I think, seven months ago. And I'm doing all kinds of things. Well, having a lot of uh, starts and unfinished business and, and idea books and all of that, that's a, that's a sign of a, that's a sign of a writer for sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> Um, you were determined to beat those fears, uh, but why Twitter? Well, Twitter was mostly because of my fears. Um, I had some followers that were friends, but I knew they weren't active on there, Debbie, between you and me. And so I was yeah. like, this is perfect. I could fail here. I could experiment. <laughs> I could start and I could stop. And I guess I thought like if I was on Instagram, which is where I was hanging out, where a lot of my mom friends hang out, that if I put information there or start something and then I pivot or change or stop then people would see that and I think that also not just the content but just oh I don't like this anymore I'm going to do something else just that part would be like well I guess she doesn't follow through on anything is what I was <laughs> worried people would think but I thought well Twitter nobody knows me I had like 101 followers but they were old and I just thought that I could just hide and just sort of put stuff out and practice and if I didn't like it, I could just step away and, and nobody would notice. Well, you certainly aren't hiding and you have discovered that it is a conversationalist platform and you can talk to real people there. And but there are some that do hide. And but you even though you were trying to hide, you didn't really. <laughs> well, so. I love people. So then it's, it's hard because then people write me something nice. I'm like, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And then it starts that conversation that I never had elsewhere. And I don't know if you've experienced this on, on Twitter, Debbie, but there's like a lot of cool people. And on Instagram, there, there's cool people, but it's more like, here's my picture. And then you don't really interact. Like you can write comments, but it's, on Twitter, you DM people and you, in, the, in the conversation, in the comments, you have the conversations with people and it's just a, a different experience than the other platforms I've been on. Yes. And it's more public than Facebook. Facebook, you have a mm. similar experience, but Facebook is more confined to a community that you've accepted into yeah. your world. Whereas Twitter, you can reach people who you may never have, you may not have known. Mind you, I find Facebook like that too. I've met people I've never would have met otherwise, but <laughs> so um when did you start to feel okay with that insecurity of hosting a Twitter space and even posting on Twitter regularly? So this is the thing I've learned about imposter syndrome, Debbie, is that it, it doesn't go away on its own, number one. Number two, 
if you just keep waiting for it to go away, it's not going to go away. And number three, if you do something once, it's not going to go away either. <laughs> so I did those 30 days of writing the essays. And, and around that time, I, I somehow saw this purple bubble and I clicked on it and I, and I was transported into this room where people were speaking. And it's similar to Clubhouse where it's just a live audio. And since I have an Android phone, I never participated in Clubhouse. And even when I heard the idea, I was like, who would do that? It sounds so stupid. Like you go into a room and people talk, like people will talk over each other and who wants to just listen into other people's conversations. But when I clicked on that button and went into the room and, and heard people, I was like, this is actually pretty cool. Like it's not as weird as I thought. And then I went into a few more and, and started to talk to people who were hosting them. And they said, oh, it's, it's in a beta testing mode, but you can request to be a host. And I was like, well, I have almost no followers. I may as well try. I requested hosting abilities and Twitter gave it to me. So then I, I told a few people and then they said, oh, I'd really love to try it. Like, can we do it together? So I was like, oh, okay. So this is how I got through imposter syndrome and how I've usually gotten through it lately is I had a co-host. So mm -hmm. I had my friend Isha at first. And so we said, let's do this for six weeks. We'll do it on Sundays at 10 a.m. It was 10 a.m. my time, 7.30 p.m. for her in India. And we would host a space for an hour. So we had this time set up where it was six weeks. So it wasn't forever. It was an experiment mm -hmm. that we can stop, but we had to do all those six weeks, you know, whether I hate it or not. And, and I have to really just show up and do it and see how does it feel and just get through it. And, and I would know that there's an end date. So that's, that's really helped me with getting through a lot of the imposter syndrome is those kind of constraints. And as for not feeling nervous or kind of getting through the imposter syndrome thing on Twitter spaces, it took me at least 20 or 30 times of hosting. And I was having a co-host. I wasn't even doing it alone because I wasn't even that brave. But I was doing it with, you know, these friends and a few different people. I was doing them two or three times a week, having set times and a set co-host. And I was just showing up and doing it again and again and again and making little mistakes, figuring things out, figuring out, oh, okay, like here's how I can tell if someone's about to speak because you don't have the body language part and how do you bring people up to speak or open the conversation? And so I've learned like little things that have helped me over time to, to also keep the conversation going because sometimes it can get sidetracked when you have a big mm -hmm. group and sometimes there's silence. So then what do you do when there's silence and no one is speaking anymore? So it's been a good stretch of myself to, to work on that. So how would you describe imposter syndrome? So it's funny because my parents were visiting at Thanksgiving and I talked to my mom on the phone. I don't talk to my dad on the phone because I think that's what most people do. And I told my mom I was writing a book and whatever. I've mentioned it a couple of times. My dad was sitting here and I said, hey, dad, by the way, did you know I'm writing a book? Oh, wow. You're writing a book. What's it about? So, you know, it's just about imposter syndrome. Impo imposter what? And I was like, <laughs> you know, imposter syndrome? He's like, no, imposter syndrome? I was like, dad, I thought he was joking. He was like, no, I never heard of that. And I was like, that everyone knows about imposter syndrome. He's like, no, that's not a thing. He's like, that doesn't even make sense. So how does that make sense? Imposter syndrome. He's like, I know what an imposter is. Like you, you pretend to be somebody else. Then you are an imposter. And then I, so I said, okay, dad, it's like if you get a new job or you get a promotion and you feel really uncomfortable, even though you've got the job and you could probably do it, you feel uncomfortable. You feel like you can't do it or that even though you have the degree saying you can, you still feel like you can't. So my dad, uh, Mr. Practical, was like, well, it doesn't make sense. You're not an imposter. You got the job. 
like, oh god okay uh i guess it's something i have to learn to explain to some people like my father which is uh that yeah that you just you you often feel it when you're doing something new i felt it when i after i got divorced and had to start dating again i, I felt like i didn't call it imposter syndrome but i definitely had a hard time with lots of first dates i went on but i was like all right i'll get through this and when you start a new job okay I'll get through this and some things we can push through. But I think that even though I would have imposter syndrome in my twenties or even in my thirties when I was dating again and things like that, I think that when you're transitioning, especially as you get older and in your thirties or forties and you want to, to post things online or try a new idea that this isn't your career and the stuff you're a specialist in, but you have ideas around it and you just want to share, you can experience a lot of imposter syndrome because it's new. You never did it before. Um, you're not an expert yet. You might have like no followers or whatever and think like, who am I to say this? This is going to sound stupid. Nobody's going to like it, which is all the things I told myself for years. And so I never posted anything. And even when I started sharing, when I started putting the essays and then doing tweets and hosting Twitter spaces, I thought, well, what if nobody shows up or, you know, so this helped with like having the co-host. So at least I would be like you and me, we have a conversation, we get through it. But I think that's like, the best description is you just feel really uncomfortable. I think it's a creative thing too. Um, <clears throat> most creatives, regardless of where they are in their careers, they think they have they have <laughs> a bit of it because you 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 feel exactly how you how you mentioned it, but you also feel you're not worthy. <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. So what would you say most people's biggest inhibitor to growth is from what you've experienced so far? Yeah, I, you know, I started out with those 101 followers, super old. They didn't really count. Like they weren't people that were interactive on Twitter. They, they also started their Twitter accounts a long time ago. And because I was never active, that has, that inhibited my growth. And I think I know that, especially as, as a marketer, I know that, you know, choose a niche and just get started and talk about this very one deep thing. That also stopped me from starting, Debbie. Mm. I, I know the tactics. I know what you have to do. I know set up these things, create an email list and brand yourself. But I didn't know what to brand myself as for a long time. For the, all those four years after I quit my job, I didn't really want to be an online marketer, coach person. I didn't really want to just do personal development, or I kind of did, but I didn't know what exactly. And so I did nothing. And I think that's the biggest thing is that we're all hung up on finding a niche. And I think it's so important to have a niche because now seven months later that I kind of have a niche with imposter syndrome, I, I have opportunities like this to, to share with you on a live stream. And, you know, I'm writing a book about it and, and it, it's all coming together. But I didn't know that this was going to be my niche. I had to start doing stuff kind of throwing spaghetti at the wall. Not that it was that broad. I wasn't writing about crypto or stuff that I, I don't know anything about. But there was a few things and I just kept experimenting with them and kept doing them. And I, and I think, th so the one thing is that not starting and not just share ideas of whatever it is that's on your mind. And then also having those constraints of, let me do this thing that seems hard for a short amount of time. Like the 30 days of ship 30 for 30, when I would set up those Twitter spaces and say, let's do three weeks together or let's do four weeks or whatever I did with different co-hosts. Most of the time we continued on and a few of them we didn't. And I just, when somebody would pop in and say, hey, can we do spaces together? I'd be like, great, let's start with three weeks. And I found different co-hosts over time. 
And then also I did other things where I, in August I did a book writing challenge. So it was 30 days to write a book. And because it was like, well, it's just 30 days. Let me see what I can do. What, what kind of information can I come up with? And it wasn't a write a book and two years later, maybe you'll have one because I would never start if I had that. So I knew that like, mm -hmm. well, it's 30 days. Let's see what's the worst that could happen. <laughs> and then I did tweet 100, which is another challenge um, that's free to join. So you just do hashtag tweet 100 and share these different tweets because I got good at writing a little bit longer form, but then writing one tweet, I felt so uncomfortable. And I, mm -hmm. I thought like my ideas weren't good or that I didn't know how to write it like people write it. And so I was like, well, I'll do 100 and let's see what happens. And it felt unnatural and difficult until I did about 50 or 60. And around that time of every day doing one tweet and being like, well, I'll just do my one and let's see what happens. Around 50 or 60, I was like, oh, I think I can write tweets now. And so now I write tweets all the time. They're super easy. I, I come up with ideas for them, but it was a struggle to do that. But I think knowing it has that time constraint really helps as well. Well, <clears throat> kindness and acknowledgement is your motto. And here are a couple of tweets to illustrate that. From October 25th, I don't deserve it. I'm not enough. These beliefs stopped my creative journey before it even started. And then on October 23rd, you said, you saying what you matters. Oh, you saying what you want matters. Your voice matters. Your message matters. You doing it matters. So really what you are tweeting is what everybody wants and needs to hear, isn't it? <laughs> it's what I want and need to hear. <laughs> and so you say you're writing your book now. Is there anything else that you're, you're working on right now? Well, I have the, the book. I, I'm, I want it to be pretty short. It's kind of a creator's guide to overcoming imposter syndrome. So it's, it's, it's small enough that I can like, I can get it done. I have about 13,000 words. So I think that I'm going to be wrapping it up soon and then just making it to a small book that's actionable, easy to read. will just help people to, to have some confidence to get over the imposter syndrome that I struggled with. Um, also I'm, I'm tweeting a lot and I'm, I'm enjoying like doing that part of like growing on Twitter. And also I have a free group that I run for other accountability for creators. Usually we do 30 day runs. We did 30 in October and I just opened it up so that in November, another group of people can join in and we have a discord channel. We do a Twitter space once a week where we talk. And also I'm, I'm started coaching people that are beginner creators, not because I advertised it. I just, I'm sharing stuff. And then people have started DMing me saying like, Oh, by the way, like, do you help people? I'm like, yes, yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the, the power of actually doing stuff and just giving value to the world. And, you know, I'm sharing my journey and what I'm working through. And I kind of, as I was preparing for this talk with you, Debbie, I was thinking about imposter syndrome and thinking, what is it, what is it that I'm actually feeling or, or going through? And I kind of feel like it's as if I have this, this cloud, this dark cloud in front of me. There's all these people around and we're all kind of afraid to step forward. And then I'm like, well, if I just take a few steps, then everyone else can kind of see. And then I'll just do it. And I'm really scared because I don't know what's in this dark cloud, but I'll take a few steps. And then the other people are like, oh, okay, well, we can take a few steps too. And then we all just kind of take some steps together. This seems like your uh, superpower. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's, it's you, I see you are 
like a, a shoulder that everybody can and it's like like i mentioned in your um, in the lead-in you you do provide a safe space for people to who are afraid to come and share publicly <laughs> and you are there to help them if you if they fall so thank you samantha is there anything else that you would like people to know that you haven't been asked yet here or on Twitter spaces? Well, I think I, I wrote about this in my book, but I don't think I've, I've said it that much yet. Um, which is if you're struggling with imposter syndrome and taking action and, and in that uncomfortable feeling that you have, like for me, I feel it like kind of right in my chest and it's like kind of like anxiety, but not really, but a little bit. And one thing that I find helps that, I wish I would have tapped into sooner if I would have known this is to think back on those times that were hard when, when you got a new job or, you know, you're going to go show up at a new building. Like even if you have a job and it's kind of the one you had, if you're going to a new place, you don't know where you're going to park. Where's the water fountain? What are the people going to be like? And even if you're pretty brave and, and don't have that much anxiety, I, I don't experience anxiety that much, but you still have a little bit on edge of like, Oh, it's kind of new. Um, or going on first dates, or I'm a musician, and so I used to play on stage a lot, and you just have to show up and push through it. I did all those things that required me to try and to push through the uncomfortable feelings, but I didn't think, oh, I did this before, therefore, I can do this creative journey. I didn't even think that they were on the same level because, well, all these are their own category, and then me creating and sharing ideas or hosting Twitter spaces or starting a podcast or whatever thing it is that I want to do is on a totally different level because it's creative, maybe, maybe because I could choose not to, or that it's fun. I'm not really sure what it was, but they're like different worlds. So I think that tapping into, hey, I did this before and think back about those times that were difficult or that you pushed through something. And then just say like, I did it before. And then give yourself a short time. So I had this, this nice lady in my DM. She's just starting on Twitter. I think she has one follower. And she followed me. So I, I wrote to her and to see, you know, what, what her journey is like. And she said she's just starting out and she doesn't know what she wants to do. So through a couple of questions, I help her figure out that she doesn't really want to talk about her career stuff, but she does want some kind of personal brand. So I'm like, great, here's what you're going to do. Sit down and do a brain dump of like whatever your idea is. So, if you know, your, your idea, Debbie, was like locker room growth. Well, what does that mean to you? And, and take some time on the weekend, write a whole bunch of ideas about it. And then from there, set a time of like 10 days or whatever, where you're going to send a tweet every day, just 10 days or five days, if that's too much, just try it. And from that big brain dump, look in there and see, oh, that's a good idea. Pull that sentence out or two, and then rewrite it into tweet format. And if you're not sure, just look at what people are tweeting, kind of just do what they're doing. But you have all these ideas that are yours. You're not copying someone else. They're, they're stuff that you've thought of. And then give yourself a short time that you can work in five days, 10 days, 30 days. If there's somebody you, you can reach out to on Twitter or whatever your platform is and say, Hey, I'm going to do this. Do you want to do it too? So we can keep each other accountable. I think that works super well as well. So that's what I would, that's what I would share. That is awesome. And what a great way to end. <laughs> Thank you, Samantha. Thank <laughs> we'll, you, Debbie. We'll see you on Twitter. Yes. <laughs>